you're listening to the Philip Robertson Property Podcast. And welcome everybody to this week's episode, episode 10. And I am particularly excited. And why am I excited? Well, it doesn't take a lot for me to get excited, I will say. But being an ex-mortgage broker myself for some 19 years, I have got an amazing heavy hitter in the, well, in the podcast studio today. I've got Therese O'Neill. And today's discussion is about the role of today's mortgage broker. So firstly, welcome everybody. And as I said, my special guest, let me give you a little bit of background on Therese. She is a business advisor, a presenter, a keynote speaker, a mentor to over 300 brokers nationally, accredited as a mentor with both the industry peak bodies. And when I say industry peak bodies, I refer to the mortgage industry, namely the MFAA and the FBAA and in 2018, excuse me, was awarded the title, the legend, well, in fact, the FBAA's Mentor of the Year. Welcome to Raise O'Neill. Thank you very much, Phil. I'm super excited now after that introduction. I tell you what, you're, you're a superstar already. No, fantastic. You are clearly one very, very busy lady. I, yeah, 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 not too bad. You yes. wear a few hats, don't you? I do. You yes. do, you do. Therese, I want to dive straight into this with you. Can you tell our audience what led you down the path of choosing to become a mentor to mortgage brokers? That's an excellent question, I Phil. thought it was. So I really began my mentoring career 12 years ago. Do tell. Do tell. Um, <clears throat> it was, so if we, if we played back, so we are in the GFC. Oh, I remember Which, that Compared one. to now coronavirus, like it seems like a walk in the park. That was just a practice so run. <laughs> if we throw that in contact, so that's what yeah. I was doing. I was, my background had been in de- development funding, commercial finance lending. Yep. Okay. And <clears throat> I was lastly with Citibank and yep. working in the broker industry. Yep. Flip forward, fast forward to, um, or go backwards to GFC. And I decided to accept a redundancy position at the time. And the mortgage broking industry, around about the same time, had mandated mentoring for new brokers entering the industry that had no lending background. Yeah. So I jumped in and filled that space. Okay. And filled it uniquely by writing a very a structured lending program that ran over two years for a new broker that would take them on the full lending journey, not just from home loans, Phil, but also property development finance, also self-managed super fund lending, so that at the end of their two years, they were um, very accomplished at all facets of lending. The other thing I did over those two years as well was taught people how to run a small business successfully, how to market, how to form relationships, how to um, improve the efficiencies and performance of their business. So it was in that guise that my company that I founded, Alpha Broker, mentored 350 startup entrepreneurs in the mortgage and finance industry over a decade. 18 months ago, I changed, I pivoted. So now what I do is I work with established brokers Typically, they are writing $30 to $50 million a year 
and who are looking to grow. So either grow with more sales um, or grow by expanding their team. Yeah, So fantastic. that's what I do now. Uh, one of the things in my introduction I think I might have missed was an MBA. Yes, I, I do. So I did my undergrad in accounting and then at the ripe old age of 40, I graduated with my MBA from Adelaide University. Congratulations, mm. by the way. That's Thank a you. massive achievement. In fact, I've heard that anyone doing an MBA, I mean, really, you've got to go, you've really got to make a massive time commitment yes. because you're obviously doing other things outside of that. And then you do your MBA on top of. That's correct. And I had two babies. And as well, me. at the same time. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Anybody that's got a full plate and yours is obviously overflowing. So tell our audience, what does a mentor do for a mortgage broker? And part two of that question yes. is what is the outcome you hope to achieve for them? Okay. So if what I might do then, Phil, is tell you that with a couple of little anecdotes, Love I a story. So um, to give you an idea, there's a, a, a gorgeous mortgage broker. So if you're in the Shaler Park area of Brisbane and you're listening to this, if you want to know the best mentor in the Shaler Park area, it's a lady called Marianne Elliott from 360 Mortgage Solutions. Cool. And when... I stepped in with Marianne. Marianne had had a career in banking with the Commonwealth Bank, had set up her mortgage broking practice a couple of years, um, had been going for a couple of years. Um, it was always a bit of a side hustle. She has a three-nager and a young lad at school. And so this was sort of, she was, this was something she could do when the three-nager was a baby and then this would grow and develop over time. What happened is she had to fast forward those plans. Her husband has a terrible illness. He is much significantly older than her. And anyway, long story short, she is now needs to be the number one breadwinner in the family. So she engaged me for six months in the lead up to uh, all planning for what she needed to do to make this business move from a side hustle. Until and to a business yep. that is supporting a family of four people and being yep. the sole income provider, yep. she sent me a text message um, only a couple of days ago, and she and it was a video and it was her flicking through her leads book and she said for the first time ever, my leads are now over a page. So, and we had so that was so that that's quite remarkable. I suppose. And when I say going over the page, she had an A4 page. She'd split it into three columns. She'd filled up three columns worth and had to go over the page. That was her leads for the month. Yeah, that's a nice problem that's to have. Say, so as an example, yeah, and so what we one. did with Marianne was worked on her superpowers. Yep. So let's exploit our superpowers. Let's uh, divest ourselves of the things that really don't matter. And also what we did with Marianne was really focused on her ideal client. Ah, her avatar. Yeah, ah, so we did an avatar. I like, I like that. So yep. Marianne is um, the finance nerd. It is what she was born to do. Okay, that's her she thing. That's her mojo. She is excellent with first home buyers yep. in Brisbane Southeast and Logan City yeah, suburbs. Yeah, Logan City, sure. And she is amazing at getting them into home ownership. So, yeah, Brilliant. so that's a, that, as an example, that's a it. business that I am very proud to have 
And isn't it wonderful when you can create a shift for someone that you can see that she had a real personal need. Her husband was unwell. This is the first time I've ever heard this story. But I can, you're an empathic person. And obviously for you, I can see that you wanted to so make that work for her. You wanted to invest yourself. And that's what I see as a really great strength as a mentor for you is when you see that people really have a need, you want to play full out and make it happen for them. Yes. And as long as they're prepared to plug in, which clearly as the finance nerd, she was prepared to plug in. Beautiful. I love that story. Yes. You said you might want to share another one. Have oh, yeah. So one? to give another and to give you an idea um, with Marianne, so her average, you're a mortgage broker, so her uh, average yep. loan size is 300000 Yep. So she's got to write a lot of business. She's got to write a few deals. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so let's do a contrast to a la- amazing um, young broker, three years in business going into fourth, um, young gentleman, early 30s, married, no children, uh, in the Mount Waverley area. So anybody in that area, especially if you're a doctor, if you're in the medical profession in any way, shape or form, so Sadish from uh, Premier Finance Advocates, amazing. So Sadish again has come from a medical finance background. Brilliant. uh, With Commonwealth Bank. Yep. So his practice, so he is building a team. He has a wonderful culture, a young team where he's giving internship opportunities to university students that are finishing their studies. Yeah, I love that. They can come on and work in his back office team. They can learn um, the trade. Sadish has just, he's been finalist in four awards over the last two weeks. Wow. With two award categories coming out. So he's done some amazing things. As a community champion, he is incredible. Uh, As a wellness, as a leader, customer service is off the charts. So what I've been doing with Sadish is um, organisational charts, looking at job descriptions, looking at performance management. So how do we onboard people, not only but onboard them well and build a fabulous culture and retain great talent because what he invests in today will be his success in five years' time. Absolutely. And also we want to create a $100 million a year barrier yeah, in settlement. That, that's, so that's a great number. That is what we're focusing on. On and then once he's got that right, then it's building his team of young brokers. Yeah, I love Those that. like him that want to specialise in that. In that, So he has an avatar as well. Yeah, he's yeah? picked a niche, which is the medical industry. Correct. And with his avatar creation, we have an image, we have a photo. Yeah, we know it. Oh, their values, the where they go to, sources of information, yeah. who they speak to, what they spend their money on, what weight keeps them awake at night what their aspirational goals and values are. I so love this because one of my other businesses (laughs) is in affiliate marketing. Uh And one of the things that I learned was the importance of creating who is your ideal customer. And quite often your avatar is yourself. So that's a great place to start is how do you think? Because some people sometimes would say, particularly if you're talking to a broker, well, what sort of customer are you looking for? Anyone will do. Yeah, anyone will do. And it's funny when you become a broker, I remember myself when I first became a broker, you just want any deal. And I said (laughs) that I wanted to be everything to everybody. But when you specialise and you build – and one of the things I loved about what that story is that is he's identified that he wants to work with young graduates as well. 
and the, he's going to really build some loyalty because he's giving them a pathway. And where he's super smart is that he can plug in and replace. So he's not exposed. So if one team member leaves, I like it's that. not creating a big dent. Everyone's yes. roles are reasonably interchangeable. And he can just keep putting – so the intention is to continue to build. Um, what he'll end up with in three to five years' time, uh, ultimately he would like to see talented people progress and become mortgage brokers. He's providing – yeah, he's giving them in effect a, a target to aim for and – and then he'll this, – this is the problem that every brokerage practice has today is where do I – how do I attract great talent? And keep them. And keep them. And ah, he's yes. going and investing. Yeah, he's smart. He's taking a long game approach. Yeah, and, that's, isn't, and it's no different with property. Yeah, that's exactly. exactly – it's almost like you've set me up with a segue. I love <laughs> it because this wasn't pre-precision. But it's so true. Take yes. the long game approach. Yeah. And that way then even with what's going on right now, if I can mind saying about with COVID and all the things, if you know what the end position, the end game will look like, it's the same as a, in brokerage. If his goal is to build a $100 million business, in effect, he's probably creating mini-me's where he can step back because I think one of the great changes, as you would know in broking, is you're redlining 24-7. You're always on. Yes. You never leave. Mm. And I think it's one of the most important things, I think, as a broker is maintaining that sense of balance. Yes. Because as you know, you live and breathe it mm. and you're churning over a deal in your mind or how am I going to present this? In fact, it makes me think about, and this was not sort of in my um, thought process about where I'm going, but I often like to just to go off on little, little tangents, <laughs> Therese, that I often would say when I was a broker that I'd say to my clients, this business is an art and a science. Mm. It's not about just the numbers. It's about people and it's how do you mm -hmm. present a proposition to a lender that makes that customer, the bank, looks at it and says, there's no way I could say no. How could I refuse that loan? Correct. It's so beautifully presented. You're anticipating the mindset of the credit analyst, aren't you? You're thinking about what is it that they want to see and what are the things that might make them nervous. Yes. Can I throw in another – I'm go going to on. do another um, – yeah, throw in another on. anecdote on that, Phil. Yes, yes. Um, is a broker that I mentored years ago when he, in his first two years. So he had come from, so he had an AFL background. Yep. And he sent me through an email this week, yesterday, and it was from a Bankwest assessor and it said, Raiden, yeah. I just had a credit, wanted to take this opportunity to tell you that the submission quality, yeah, the quality of your loan submission that accompanied your deal was the best we've ever seen. Oh, my yeah? goodness. You keep this That's up. like getting the brown loaf. I know. And he <laughs> sent it to me and said, yeah, this was great mentoring, T. I still use the same templated loan submission and follow all the rules and guidelines that for two years, yeah, you instilled in me. And Love it. how Love nice it. of him to think of me. Absolutely. And also to share yep. that that feedback. So, and you know what, that, that's what great brokers do. That's, that is exactly what great brokers do. And I think great business people do. That they never forget the people that were there 
helping them to get a start. And yeah. I know some of the guys who have won amazing awards in the broking industry as a result of the mentoring that you've done for them over the years. And I've seen them blasted all over the yeah. the uh, awards uh, ceremonies. There's been a lot there's these. Been a few. There's been a lot this in yeah, the last Yeah, absolutely. Of weeks. I think that's absolutely cool. So, my next question for you, Therese, is how long do you typically work with a broker for? Yeah, at these days, so typically six months. Okay. So minimum for me is 120 days. Yep. And my what I usually say is your most pressing problem I can usually solve or put set you on the right track within 120 days. Yep. Anything less is not enough time. Yeah. Um, some brokers engage me on an ongoing, on an evergreen basis. Yep. Because because we are in the right in the midst of quite significant um, strategic change, I suppose, for their business. So yeah. it might be a longer duration. But someone like Marianne was just go in and help me get to here very quickly. Yep. Uh, I've got clients where I go back and I see, I revisit them for a couple of months at the beginning of every year. So we set the new strategic direction and then identify if there's any assets or any gaps in um, in what we need, yeah, what they need to build out to achieve that strategy. Yeah, I love that because it's really much, I again, starting with the end in mind, are yep. we on t- track? A bit like when you're sailing a boat. Mm-hmm. Where's the wind? Are we tacking? The, mm-hmm. Do we need to make adjustments mm-hmm. in our strategy in order to, where's the end point we're trying Correct. to reach? Again, same with, mm. with investing in property. Mm. At what point do you think it would make sense for a broker to appoint a mentor? When, and uh, what I would say is this is what I found when people reach out to me. I am not working any less and I'm not earning any more. That's usually for me when a broker might, is likely to reach out. Yeah, So they're maybe almost like they're treading water. Yeah. They're, they're really not going forward. Yeah. They're not going backwards. But, clear, but they clearly have. They're so stuck. some people are very happy with that, yes? Absolutely. So but what you've got is is I'm stuck. I'm stuck here with little time. I'm stuck here only earning this much. It's been this long. I, I want for more than that. Really that's when you would want to um, appoint a mentor or a business coach. So they've got a strong reason why yeah. Ah, yeah. that's the key. And they know, yeah. they know it's possible. Go, I know that there are people out there that are writing two, three times more than me. And they're not a demigod, right? So it's clearly possible. What is it that, yeah. yeah. What, what's, what are they that doing differently yeah. that I'm not doing mm-hmm. and I'm aspiring to want to do mm-hmm. more of that mm-hmm. and less of some mm-hmm. of the other things. Mm-hmm. So I was just that probably, again, love this word segue. It seems to be my word today. <laughs> what do you think then are the key qualities that you feel make up the DNA of a top mortgage broker? A, they do the work. Ah, they take action. They take action. Mm. So that's, again, part of uh, when I am mentoring or coaching people is we agree on, we make monthly agreements on certain action items, certain due dates. Yep. Yep. I love that. We have in-betweenst 
physical sessions, which could be Zoom these days, yeah. or face-to-face, then yeah. we have accountability calls as well. Now, I might be responsible for fulfilling, for example, um, if you need to put on a, a power broker and I've got a job description. So, for example, my, my action item might be to get send you a draft of a job description for an analyst. Your then your task then might be to put that we're hiring now ad up on your social media network and that's what we're going to do during the week, for example, and that makes things happen, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, and, I, and I think I don't think it matters what it is that you're doing exactly. in life. We all need a coach and we all yeah. need accountability. Yes. And somebody that can continue to stretch us. Yes. Uh, because of, without that we just do stagnate yeah. and I think we actually yeah. go backwards. We do. The other thing to take action is the other thing. It's like losers make excuses, yeah? Absolutely. Give a, give a busy person of like a, a, a task a, a to s- do. Health crisis, whatever it is, yeah? yeah. Um, you really got to be honest with yourself and ah, say, true. have I really done all that I could have done to actually yeah. deliver on my promise? Yeah, I think a lot of people BS to themselves. Mm. And I'm not going to say... It's called belief systems, by the way, BS. <laughs> but I think that we, we kid ourselves and we know when in our hearts whether we're being fair income with ourselves. And I think the best test is to look in the mirror mm-hmm. and actually verbally ask that question, mm-hmm. did I really show up today? Mm. So and one of the things I've talked about in terms of the property business is a lot of people seem to do it in their head and probably brokers are saying, yeah, yeah, I'm really motivated, I'm passionate. Okay, great, show me what you've done. Mm-hmm. What action are you taking? You've got, to, you've got to have some disciplines and and I think one of the things that you're doing with as a mentor, Therese, is the accountability. Yes. Yeah, because people need that. I'm the same. You know, we all need – I've got coaches. I've got a lot of coaches in different aspects of my life mm. because I know intrinsically I can get lazy and off track or, I, or my attention gets distracted. Yes. And I think that's what happens with brokers. You can have, you need a plan because it is a very reactive it industry, is very reactive, isn't it? It is very reactive, yeah. But you can be pro, you can be proactively reactive, yeah. Uh, yeah so time for sure. time blocking is yes. you almost everybody I work with coaching wise, we usually start with that. I think that's a ripper place. Time ninjuring, yeah. Yeah, because it's an industry that all of a sudden can as you know, you can be reactive rather than proactive reactive. Mm-hmm. And it can be just pulling you all over the place. Correct. Whether there's a uh, an issue with the bank or the pay slips weren't right or there's a valuation, as you know, you can just, so don't let the business run you. Yeah. And that's challenging thinking, yeah. So um It's a mind shift. Yeah. So I can say to everybody, so when are you doing, yeah? It, it do those, yeah, Do does a request for a rate reduction for an existing client that's too high LVR to refinance everywhere, anywhere, does that have to be done like on the day, on that particular day? Or can you just do them all on a Thursday morning? So that challenging thinking and that and where, for, where a broker might go, oh, I suppose there's no reason, there is no reason why they have to be acted on straight away, I go, no, like you tell your client we will get to this straight away, but can't you do all of that on a Thursday for an hour? So things like that can make, and then all of a sudden what you find, yeah, is you don't have to give that another thought. I think that's beautiful. Until a little alarm goes up on your calendar on Google on Thursday at 11 o'clock and says 
you're going to do all the requests for rate reductions. And I think that's professionally managing your client's expectation. Mm-hmm. That's not saying, hey, I'm not, you're not a priority, mm-hmm. but you pick a particular time. For example, when you return phone calls. Yes, or correct. I respond Absolutely. to my emails yep. at between these hours. Mm-hmm. So, and if you set a professional expectation, correct, because ultimately I think you'll give better service mm-hmm. because you're not being again using that reactive. You're being proactive, reactive, correct. Yeah, and you're, you're you're, and I think your clients get better better value from you and your team by by really being very structured mm. as best you can, correct. In in an industry which can quite quite frankly, not be not enable structure at times. Mm-hmm. It can be all over the place. So, Therese, the role of a mortgage broker, let's say over the past three years in particular, we have seen such incredible changes Correct. with so much onus now being pushed back onto brokers and I'm referring to things like uh, doing a thorough assessment of their customers' living mm-hmm. expenses and certainly that it's been... Well, the brokers are required to have a lot more responsibility as to yes. whether or not the customer can in fact, quote, unquote, afford the loan. Correct. What do you think has been the impact of this on brokers in terms of their accountability, their workload and stress? So uh, clearly these, ob- any, obliga- any additional obligation that's imposed is clearly going to add to um, my workload and it's going to add hours to um, fulf- to fulfilling my obligations per client. So clearly that exists with ev- and we're about Phil to enter into a new um, responsibility with best interest duty. I did uh, being love enforced that. from I did like that pregnant pause. Did you <laughs> yeah. from the first of first you of were January? Your words carefully, Therese. <laughs> I think for. I, I seriously think that um, brokers out there should seriously consider specialising. It is going to make fulfilment of all these responsibilities and obligations infinitely easier if you're dealing with a relatively homogenous group. Are you listening to that, brokers? It is just going, you can streamline processes and efficiencies. Uh, you brokers are needing to challenge clients and that's just the new normal, yeah? Yeah, and and I remember when I was it, still broking and I hadn't gone through a lot of the changes yes. that brokers, but you'd get repeat clients who'd say, I've never had to do this before. Why are you Correct, asking yeah. me for this now, mm. Phil? It's, you're, it's, you've made it too hard. It's just the way it is, it's hey? It's the way it is and now. It's like social distancing. You walk into somewhere, your hand sanitise now. We don't shake hands. It's just the new norm. So welcome to the new world of finance. That, yeah, exactly. Yep. But the value of the broker in advice. Yeah. Through the roof. Now. Credit. Yeah. If I go back to it, credit didn't it didn't matter. Yeah. You just faxed now, the deal off. Remember? It, <laughs> it is was so different then. Just yeah. yeah. There was no real credit responsibility. is everything. Yeah. Structure is really important. I think very good brokerages say that they spend a lot of time repairing damage, especially for investors, Phil. Definitely. So how the structure has been um, established. So for very good brokers where they're really deep diving and saying, but what are your aspirations? I know that right here today you can get your hands on 25 grand extra as a new home builder. But where do you see yourself? In three years' time, oh, yes. you'll be 37, yeah? 
then before you know it, you're 42. Where do you think that this is going to go? And and that sort of questioning with that strategic mindset yep. means that I can put my client, I can choose the right product for my client's first home. Uh, that will see them through, this. yeah. I love it, Therese. This, the long game. See the them long through, game. Yeah. I, I remember when I interviewed new clients because I wanted to create a point of difference mm. and it was where do you see, how do you see things over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? If I could make wave a magic wand, mm. how would life look? And these are challenging questions mm. but, but they're deep diving yeah. as opposed to what's your best rate, mate? Correct. Yeah. So what we would do if we're playing the long game is we're not going to get diverted from our strategy because I can get a sub 2% fixed rate, yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> Correct. No, absolutely beautiful. Mm. One of the areas, as you know, I'm building a foundation mm-hmm. called Saving Brothers <coughs> and one of the areas that are particular interest to me for not just men, being a male, but for women as well as mental health, brokers that you've ment- mentored – do you think they're doing enough in, in looking after their mental health, particularly with a, I think there's a, so much stress pushed back onto brokers? I remember when I was a broker, I'd get up early because I wanted to sort of do as much of the sort of the writing up of the deals early in the morning. Yes. So quarter to five was when I used to start. After hours appointments were clearly part and parcel of the life of the broker. Yes. And I asked this because I really feel that being a broker these days is even more stressful because they're dealing with clients who bring their own stresses to a lending situation, which in effect the broker inadvertently takes on. Correct. Although um, I believe financial planners are almost, I think, the highest suicide occupation in Australia today. Wow. Yeah. So uh, 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 and that uh, brought along by all of the legislative changes impacting that industry. So people yeah. have saying, oh, I had a business yesterday and now I don't. So that's it's very damning. So yeah, a, friend, wow. a very good friend of mine, Harry Maragos, is very heavily involved in those organisations and the mental health around financial planners. So that's, that's very sad. It's very sad, but it's, it's fantastic sad. It's, that he's yeah, being exactly. proactive and doing Correct. something about it. Correct. I remember when I was a broker, in particular, I remember Peter White yes. from the FBAA yes. always talked about those issues. Well, and how he sits on the board of the FBAA in Victoria. So he know. is, um, so he's carrying that message, yeah? Yeah. Um, I, as a cautionary tale into our industry uh, too. As to say, look, here's what I've seen elsewhere, mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. gals, you need yeah. to be really on your mental mm. uh, about this. Because I remember the, the Peter White was pr- very supportive of the Are You OK Day. Absolutely. Which, which is a fantastic initiative. I and mean, very concerned about lockdown conditions and the impact that's having on the me- his membership and brokers in general. So he right now very concerned about that too. Yeah, well, I think brokers... A lot of brokers are social creatures. Yes. And so they're used to engaging face-to-face. They enjoy that. And a lot of brokers don't work from an office, so they work from home. They do. And that's the way that they're able to still connect with the outside world. Yes. So clearly they're having to make some adjustments and I think that's why I'm very cognizant of that really important area of dealing with with mental health. I would say to people out there if you've got got broker friends – 
or anybody you know that's in any small business that's working for him and they're becoming more and more silent, that yeah. that's a sign, Phil. Uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're retreating to their cave. It's a bad it's, sign, it's yeah? A, yeah. They're not not reaching out because they're busy. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not busy, but invariably what you'll find is if that communication is getting less and less and less, they're pre- I'd be concerned about my friend's mental state. So anybody out there, reach out. Absolutely. Just pick up the phone, yeah? Yep. In fact, a friend of mine. Even if you get a message bank, it can make it can mean the, a massive difference to someone's day for them to just know that someone's thinking of them. I think that's... Absolutely a brilliant uh, yeah. suggestion. A friend of mine, uh, his name's Craig Turton and Turts, uh, if you're listening, mate, uh, a plug to you. He runs a, an organisation called 100 Words and it's called Mate to Mate. And so at eight they encourage you to contact a mate. Now that okay. mate could be a female as well as a yeah. mate. And the idea is to ask the questions, hey, how are you doing? How's your day been out of ten? Yes. And the reason, because what what often happens, and we are digressing but it's an important topic, is that particularly guys, you'll ask a bloke, hey, how's your day been going? Yeah, mate, good, yeah. And then they shut down. Yes, they they do. So what these guys do at 100 Words, which I think is so simple but a great strategy, is they say, they say, well, hey, how's your day been out of 10? If if zero's been a rubbishy day and 10's been an amazing day, what sort of a day have you had? Oh, it's been about a two. Yeah. Oh, what made it a two? Oh, well, this, this and this happened. So what would have to happen for it to be an eight? Ah, okay. So what can we do to help you work towards getting an eight? Mm. And what that often, you don't have to be worried about giving them the the solution because sometimes people are scared to ask people, what if they actually say things aren't good? Mm, that's but, correct. Yeah. yeah, but doing it that way, it's it's often that that person just wanted the opportunity to be able to unburden themselves. And men are natural problem solvers, yes, as we know. So that I know that that's an issue because it's raised at, are you okay? If you tell me you've got a problem, I am going to need to solve it and I don't want that responsibility. Well, it's like, oh, I don't know how. I don't know how. But and are you yeah. okay? Say, you just listen. Yeah, that's it. Just, just listen. You don't have to solve the problem. Just, listen. but actually, attentively listen. Attentively, yes, because a yes. lot of us, and I, I can be guilty of this the same. And I, and in fact, my partner pulled me up and she said, "Phil, you know, sometimes you're too busy thinking about what you want to say next." And we often don't. And what do we say? We're, we're blessed with two ears and one mouth, so let's use mm-hmm. them in that appropriate proportion. Mm. Or as, as I call them, mum listen, yeah? Mum listen? The mum listen. If not the, that one. Go on. I haven't so heard the mum listen one is where so they're talking to you and you're going, yep, okay, yep, no, yeah, okay, right, yeah, mm-hmm. And, and that's when you would say, you're doing, what are you doing? Oh, I'm making the beds. Yeah, okay, because well, I know you're doing something else that, other than listening to me. Yeah. Yeah? So yeah. mum's, um, of, of course, famously, of which the, the, the phrase is called after because that's what mums do all the time. Yeah, yeah more mums Mum, can I stab my sister? Yep, sure. But <laughs> is the TV off? You know, you, that, that sort of thing. I love yeah. it. Dichotic listening. Yes. So 
I think this is my opinion, so yeah. I'm going to ask you this question. I I personally think more than ever the role of a mortgage broker is is more than that of a they're an advisor. Yes. In effect, they're a connector that they can connect their clients to. I think what I call the dream team, which is a good accountant. I always say preferably an accountant that is an investor. Yes. A legal practitioner, building inspector. Um, and other members of what, as I said, I call my dream team. Do you feel that brokers are a real conduit to many of these and other important professionals? I think they, I think brokers are, yes. Maybe not with every facet of that dream team. But I think those that do work in that sort of enclosure or that ecosystem, life is better. Life is more, life is easier because, um, everybody's invested in a brilliant outcome, Yeah, uh, you know, so it's handier. I can have the conveyancer working with me. I, yeah. It's easier for me to get a letter of advice from an accountant regarding negative gearing. I can get, I can organise a property inspection, coordinate valuation access if every, every stakeholder yeah. yeah, is invested. Is someone that I know and trust, and yeah. we're all invested in getting an excellent outcome for yep. the client. I love it. Yep. So if you can do that, um, life can be a lot easier. Yeah, and I think, and I think, and more, in, and much more, fa- uh, you know, fabulous for the client. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I think that's really, really important. And in fact, I wrote a uh, an ebook called How to Be a Super Broker, uh, which one of the key areas is investing in relationships, mm-hmm. and particularly for new brokers, yeah. that it's so important that you go out and introduce yourself and you offer how you can help them. I think too often we think about us. What can I get from this relationship? And other rather than what can I invest and give to the relationship. And when you have that mindset, I think that can actually make you a better broker. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with investing in property. Who are the people that I can introduce into my network to, in fact, make me a better, more professional investor? So it's very important that you build really good quality relationships around you. Absolutely. What do you see, Therese? I'm going to ask you to be Nostra Therese. Oh, great. Here. Excellent. Here we go. What do you see as the future for mortgage brokers? Oh, I think it will continue to rise. I think it is the channel of choice for consumers. And as our consumer audience gets younger, yeah, so uh, uh, as, so you know, younger children, so younger children, my my child's 18. So as they sort of move into, um, into that buying phase as well. So I think they will, that broker proposition is going to appeal to them. And I think that... The people, so typically when they've done the studies as to who uses broker and who uses banker, um, first home buyers will tend to use a broker. Um, I've had a long-standing relationship with a bank. I would tend to go to bank first. Now this is shaking it up with credit policy now with lenders. So people that have their whole lives borrowed from National Australia Bank are finding that they're not taking the JobKeeper payments, for example, and they're having to go with another lender. So I think these changing conditions today is, so I think broker penetration will probably reach the 65% mark in the next five years. What is it at the moment approximately? It's about 53, 55. Yeah. It dipped and it's gone back up. So I think, so I think it's got a ways to go. I think the next 
concern moment on the horizon for our industry is going to be the review of trailing income in 2022. Yeah, that's, which will coincide yeah. with the next federal election. So that probably is if if it, if we go to the federal election and trail is then preserved, wow, that's that that's going to be very exciting. Yeah, that's been a really interesting with the the Hain uh, findings. Mm, yes, that people probably don't understand what trail is for. Yes, and I think again. I spoke about this in one of my previous podcasts mm-hmm. with Terry Ryder where we talked about the war on media misinformation mm-hmm. in relation to investing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same here. Mm-hmm. People seem to think that the broker sits there doing nothing uh, and that they get this trailing income for absolutely doing nothing. And it's a, by the way, this is a loaded question the way I'm asking, <laughs> I guess. But I'm framing it in this way because I think I'd love to hear what you your thoughts are because people, again, as I said, they the, the brokers came under fire and, and in fact were potted by banks unfairly in my mm. personal opinion, and I say this is my opinion, that, oh, we should abolish the trails. What What... What say you on that? Because I think the trails are a very important part of being able to provide continuing service to the customer. Correct. So the concern of Commissioner Hayne and all the preceding reports that he refers to, and it's brought up every single time, is the conflicted remuneration, yeah? So is the payment of trail, yeah, um, as a broker, so as a broker, am I going to put my interest above yours because of the payment of trail? And the concern is that... If, um, so as an example, so uh, brokers earn a trailing income for approximately the first two years of a loan. If that loan is repaid earlier than the two years, then the broker um, would lose some commission, yeah? So, and a a trailing income um, is so that people aren't refinancing their loans every 12 months, yeah? It's sort of like we will reward the broker to introduce the client to the right lending solution. They're going to be happy with that lender. We will pay them an ongoing service fee to look after that client. Yeah, during I think, life I, I, absolutely. I think um, so that was the spirit of it being brought in. And then the concerns, when, as soon as you talk about commissions, yeah, in any industry, yeah. um, it going, it's going to get the, attract the attention of media in an adverse way. And Commissioner Hain, never met him, but a career public servant, if I'm guessing rightly. So, no, I'm sure that Commissioner Hain just can go into his local bank and get a loan. Mm. I'm sure he earns a shitload of money, excuse the language, and I'm sure that he hasn't had his living expenses scrutinised. So... Um, I don't – I think he's this far removed from a 22-year-old – I've just got my PR, graduated from uni, got a $75,000 graduate job and I'm going to build out in the suburbs. That guy needs – that second person needs a broker. They need, absolutely. They need guidance. Away. They need support and they need yep. ongoing support. And that's the thing for me. And I'm not here to champion in the broker other than that I think they were unfairly treated, quite frankly, yeah. and – well, in effect, I think they were attacked. The industry was attacked and people... Because the negative thing is that you get this for nothing. But that's not the case. Yeah, exactly. It's about servicing the client. And you do because you take the phone calls, you do ongoing reviews, you you meet with at the clients. At like 8 o'clock at night or 7 yep. o'clock on a Sunday morning yep. because the family's got to go somewhere. These are the things that 
I, I suppose that it's not that it doesn't shine a light on those sorts of things it that brokers do. Or my broker in Brisbane that so does a request for um, a pricing request without fail for every client every year. So that's an immense amount of work for nothing. And here's a, another thing that I think. How often can you ring your branch at 7 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and they answer? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to come to your kitchen table because that's the most convenient for you. Yeah. And I think another thing, banking really has changed. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. I mean, I'm a 53-year-old man. I remember the days when you knew the people in the branch well. Yes. And you knew your bank manager and there was a relationship. Yeah. It was personal. And now, well, oh, where's where's the home lending? Oh, no, they've moved to another branch or they've moved on. Correct. It's like how do you develop a relationship? It's not. You don't. And that's the beauty of a broker. And despite what people say about, oh, but, the you know, the broker favours you to try and go to this lender because they're making more money. Well, no, they've, they've got rubbish. a duty of disclosure, haven't Correct. they? Yeah. It, it's all in the, the credit assessment documents, mm. uh, what are your financial agreements that you have with the client. You actually have to explain why you're making the recommendation. So I say bollocks to that, uh, that report. We say bollocks frankly. together. Phil. Well, I think we do because <laughs> I, think it, I think they're actually really potting the broker industry. And it, it's really, it, it, it just amazes me in this country because it really does focus on the whole tall poppy syndrome. We love to any – we're happy for people to be successful as long as they're not more successful than us. Yes. With, what, you know, with all the problems the USA have got at the moment, one thing I think they do, do very well, they celebrate other people's success. Mm. We don't. We just seem to like to want to – pull people down. I think that's a that's a failing of Australia at the moment and I'd like to see us celebrate more people's successes and be genuinely happy for people. Yes. Therese, I've so thoroughly enjoyed it. I could, I could gas bag all <laughs> afternoon with you. I really Me could. Too. Absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it and I wish you every success. And brokers are so lucky to have you in their corner and so thank you for your time. Thank for, you for inviting me, Phil. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here at the studio. So, friends, next week... I'm catching up with Martin Galea of Tick Box Conveyancing and our topic will be the importance of a good conveyancer being part of your dream team. So, friends, I hope you like, share, comment on the podcast. This was episode 10 with Therese O'Neill. Thoroughly enjoyed it. This is Phil Robertson of Philip Robertson Property saying have a fabulous week.